everybody, it's Allie, and welcome to our YNR chat for Sunday, August 27th, 2017. I am just getting back from my trip to the Abbott Cabin. <laughs> It was fantastic. There was mushrooms, risotto galore. <laughs> but I'm getting back into reality now, unpacking all my stuff, and, and, and also jumping back into my uh, fantasy world. As soon as I get back into reality, I have to jump back into fantasy and watch all of my YNRs. Um, I watched them all kind of quick and dirty. <laughs> there was not no fast no rewinding, no getting to rewatch anything. Uh, I had to cram them in. I hope that I didn't miss anything. I'm not going to lie. There were possibly points where my attention was divided, uh, but I really wanted to be able to just watch as much as I could and and be able to at least provide you with a a podcast and audio update. So give me a little bit of leeway this week, please. If I missed anything, I am so sorry. I think I got it all, uh, but I'm also... Not as organized this week as I normally am. I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of stream of consciousness talk about YNR here. So I hope it's still good. I tell you, one of the things that stuck out to me the most this week was everything that's going on in Nick and Chelsea's relationship and how Victor is, I I don't think intentionally, but he is most certainly causing some problems within it. I worry about Nick and Chelsea. I think that they are a couple who makes sense. I think they are a couple who has a lot of potential for love and quirkiness. And it was fun to see Nick moving into her condo this week week and them doing something so small and simple such as, as uh, deciding who's going to do the, the dishes or who's going to pay what when it comes to bills. That's the kind of everyday relaxed tasks, I suppose, that I think I, I enjoy watching on the show, just having a sense that these are real people who are going through the same kind of challenges that everybody else in the world would. But I feel like they're getting off on a really bad start here. If Nick and Chelsea had decided to move in together because they love each other and they wanted to blend their family, I think it would be an entirely different situation. I think that they would have maybe found a, a place of their own that they could both move into fresh and start this family. But because Victor kicking Nick off the ranch has forced Nick into a situation where he kind of needs a place to live and needs a place to um, to bring his kids that feels like home and wanting to create some sort of familiar structure for them. I think that's causing the problem. I think that Chelsea feels it's a little bit of an intrusion on her world and I don't think she wants to admit that to herself or to Nick. I I think that's natural. It it wasn't a decision that came out of happiness. It was a, a decision that came 
came out of need. And I worry that that's going to spell disaster for their relationship. Are you guys getting that vibe from them too? I think that's where I'd like to put a poll this week and get some comments. Do you think that Nick and Chelsea moving in together and starting their families is the beginning of something new? Is it the beginning of their relationship or are we looking at the beginning of the end here? YRChat.com is where you can cast your vote and tell me, is this the beginning or the beginning of the end for Nick and Chelsea, their relationship, their family? It's clear that she is struggling. And now we've got the added element of Faith, who's going to be throwing in a little wrench into uh, into their, you know, what they're trying to accomplish here. Um, Faith has been away at camp for months now. I thought for sure that they were going to age the actress. I just, something felt like writing on the wall to me, but that's apparently not the case. She left a little girl. She's coming back, the same actress, the same little girl, but also in a a little bit more of a mature way. She didn't seem quite as precocious as she has in the past. There was something about Faith that seemed a little bit more mature. So maybe YNR did take the opportunity to tool the character a little bit while she was away. But she's, she's getting ready to come back into town, and Nick knows that she's gonna have her world rocked yet again as this child is oft to have. And he knows that she's not going to be happy about moving off the ranch. He's trying everything he can to create a place for her at Chelsea's by redecorating her bedroom, something to get her excited about coming back to Chelsea's and, and just something to make her feel special and like she has a place in this family too. And unfortunately, Victor is going to stick his nose in and do something that's going to throw all of that off. I was really disappointed and borderline disgusted with Victor's decision to hop in his limo and have his driver take him on up on the last night of Faith's camp to get in there and preempt anything that Nick could do to poison his relationship with Faith. It was a completely shady, manipulative act on Victor's part. And as much as I want to give that man leeway and I want to love him and I want to understand him, that ticked me off. That just felt like a manipulation of a little girl for gains in his you know, in his war with Nick, it, it it just felt so sickening. He, I'm sure, just wanted to go talk to Faith and try to, like, just talk to her before anyone else could and make sure that he got his narrative in with this little 10-year-old girl before Nick could come in and, and you know, maybe make her not want to visit him at the ranch. I don't know. That wasn't really even what Nick was doing. Nick was still going to let Victor have a relationship with Victor and he was still going to let her come out to the ranch. And I mean, God forbid she wouldn't be able to see her ponies. Oh, yeah. And her mother (laughs) and whatever else out there, but also her pony. I mean, I don't think Nick was going to poison 
faith against Victor in any way. That would be manipulative. And that, I don't think, is who Nick is at his core. But it most certainly has been shown to me now that that is who Victor is at his core. I just, I thought it was so inappropriate for him to be the one to tell Faith that she's moving off the ranch. That was so wrong. It was not Victor's place. He goes and he tells her, I just couldn't believe it was happening. You know, you're going to need, when you come home, there's going to be some changes. You don't live at the ranch anymore. And this little girl is trying to wrap her mind around the fact that not only is she going to have to move, but that her parents didn't tell her this this is the first she's hearing about it it was so inappropriate and I thought that it was interesting that Victor was having this discussion with Faith at the same time that Nick was talking to Sharon about how they were going to handle Faith coming back into um, into town and realizing that she didn't live at the ranch anymore and Nick made this really intuitive comment about Victor that I think sums it up. He said, Victor's version of love is really only about control. He only really loves the things that he feels he owns. And I think that's exactly, that just hit the nail right on the head when it came to what he was doing with Faith. Do I think Victor loves his granddaughter? Yes, absolutely. Do I think that he had, that there is a part of him that really didn't want to lose her? Yes, absolutely. But I think this is moreover about Victor's need to control the situation. He clearly wants to get his claws into all of the next generations of Newmans. He doesn't want to be alone. I mean, I thought it was funny that um, there was a point very early in the week where Nikki comes into the ranch, like she still lives there. And she sees Victor sitting there on the couch and she makes some kind of reference to his man cave as if Victor was sitting there in the dark surrounded by Hershey wrappers and, uh, and scotch or tequila or something as a, you know I mean like the house was perfectly fine I don't know why she was referring to it as his man cave um, as if there was some obvious sign of Victor's depression uh, but I, I mean I do think that he is lonely and I don't think he, he wants to be I think I think there is something about the innocence of this little girl that Victor finds appealing because she can't detect the magnitude of the manipulation and the horrific things that he's done. I think he likes that Faith views him in in a very innocent way. I think that's how he wants to be seen, but it's totally inaccurate. Another excellent scene was where Chelsea goes to confront Victor. I mean, for crying out loud, he stole the furniture that Chelsea was had purchased to, to redecorate Faith's room first at the tack house and then at her own house. Victor stopped the movers from taking the furniture off the ranch and he, he took it to, to create a room at his house. That's It's so... 
off the charts <laughs> manipulative. I mean, he does these big things that are manipulative and then these small things that just really bring it all to light for me. And Chelsea goes to confront him there. And I, I mean, it, it feels like Victor has always had a bit of a soft spot for Chelsea. But for some reason, that was all, it felt like it was all gone now. The, the What's going on with Nick, the war with Nick is far more important than anything else. And Chelsea made a great point to Victor. She just looks at him, I think, wanting to believe the best in him and says to him, didn't you learn anything from your war with Adam? I mean, Adam is dead now. Your son is dead now because of this. You you warring with your son ended up with him dead. And now here you are following the same path again. Didn't you learn a thing? Mm. It just was, it just, mm. Victor is a hard man to love, isn't he? You want to, but A is a hard man to love. Um, and and I, just the, the manipulation of Faith, it, it, it really is the, the kick in the teeth for me. Kate, Faith is a smart kid. I mean, she gets back into town and she doesn't say a word about the fact that Victor has already talked to her. I mean, she comes back to Crimson Lights, sits there, with, she sits through a conversation of Nick and Sharon telling her that she's moving off the ranch and she doesn't say a word. She does not let on that she knows. <laughs> I think maybe maybe Faith is gonna learn learn from from her grandfather. Uh, there was a little bit of, of manipulation in Faith there as well. Uh, she just plays it real close to the vest, at not knowing that she's a pawn in this whole thing. She lets Nick take her back to Chelsea's apartment and he thinks he's going to surprise her with this new bedroom and Ch- he doesn't know that Victor has stopped the movers from delivering the furniture so Nick tries his best to make lemonade out of these lemons and incorporate Faith into the house try to uh, try to make her feel comfortable but sure enough Faith doesn't like this doesn't feel good about it she makes a little secret phone call to Victor on his cell phone I mean he even made sure in the limo to tell her now if you have any problems if any you know if anything's wrong doesn't feel right you can always call me you know I mean he pays the lip service by saying well you know if you feel that something's wrong you should talk to your dad about it so he Victor in a very um just slick sort of way is is making sure to pay the lip service of well I I told her to talk to you about it you know making sure he's saying the right things but there's this undercurrent of manipulation where he is using a 10 year old girl as a pawn I just want to give I want to give Victor the benefit of the doubt but his hands are so dirty here I mean for crying out loud he, he he sure wasn't thinking about little 10 year old Faith when he was kicking Nick out of the ranch in the first place Another example of Victor's manipulation, in fact, a shining example, is the fact that he has moved Nick out and moved Abby right in. I really can't believe that Abby is satisfied to take 
Nick's leftovers. Abby is taking Victoria's leftovers when it comes to her position at Newman Enterprises, and now here she is taking Nick's leftovers at home. I think she deserves better than that. I think she should see herself as more worthy than that. I'm sad for Abby because I think she is also a pawn in Victor's game. And I believe Abby doesn't know anything about what went down with Adam. I think she's in a a somewhat similar position to Faith, just in the fact that she doesn't know the whole story. The people who are isolating Victor and choosing not to have him in their lives are the people who know the whole story, know what he's done, know the kind of man that he really is. The only people who he's managing to keep himself around as a buffer are the people who just don't know. But I think Abby... I don't know. I think Abby's just at the beginning of her renaissance. I think she's about to find out the kind of man that Victor is. I think she's about to find out quite a few things about her family that maybe she didn't know before. This week... Uh, Abby had a a, a little uh, meeting, a little dinner meeting, I think it was, or breakfast, uh, with Dina. And uh, she just wants to get to know Dina, wants to understand where she's coming from. And she presses her a little bit about what happened between, um, uh, between her grandfather and her. You know, what was it that happened between Dina and John? And at the same time, we were having Jack talk to Ash about what ultimately happened between Dina and John, what the last straw was. Uh, And we as viewers ended up seeing a flashback from Jack's perspective of the uh, evening that the the, the final straw broke and um, it was revealed that Dina was having an affair with Brent Davis. Apparently, uh, Jack was listening off in the corner and could hear the argument between John and Dina and knowing that Dina (laughs) ended up having an affair with his golf instructor. Mom, mom had an affair with my golf instructor. I mean, that would be enough to, to scar you a little bit. It, It was sad for Jack. That was, it was a sad moment for him. You know, Again, I was not watching at the. I was not watching at uh, the time when Ashley learned that John was not her real father. So it, it was a, apparently a product of this affair between. Just for anybody who else like me who was not watching, um, Ashley's birth was a product of this uh, out of wedlock affair that she had with Brent Davis. Um, I think that. There was a period of time where uh, Dina was passing Ashley off as if that she was John's daughter. John's daughter. I don't think John knew. I don't think he knew that Ashley wasn't actually his daughter. It wasn't until uh, years later that this came to light. Is that correct? I hope so. Um, I, again, I'm I'm pulling this only from um, uh, secondhand knowledge, but um, Ashley knows, but. 
only Ashley, uh, I think only Ashley and Dina know this information. I don't think that the rest of the Abbott family knows. Gosh, I should have done a little bit of research here. This is where I would have been more prepped if I had done the full YNR chat. But um, I am kind of a, a little bit of a gap here that I was hoping maybe you guys could fill in. And maybe you can go to the website this week and tell me. So if I'm understanding correctly... Dina must have had a long-term affair with Brent Davis because Ashley revealed last week that she was 11 years old when her mother left the family. And then this week we were seeing at, presumably this is Ashley at 11 years old in that flashback, Jack a little bit older, listening in the corner, that being the final straw of, uh, of John and Dina's relationship. Does that mean that Dina had had the affair with, with Brent 11 years earlier? Was it still going on when she and John uh, ultimately broke up? Maybe somebody can go in and help help me fill in the blanks on this this week. Um, this is where I probably would have done a, a little more research. So I am sorry about that. Uh, but uh, there was a scene this week where um, Abby, after having asked Dina about what went wrong in the relationship between she and John, Abby goes back and presses Victor for more answers. I do know that when Ashley found out that John wasn't her father, she was with Victor um, at the time, or he was at least, you know, friendly, and Victor kind of helped her through this time. So Victor knows darn well that Ashley is not John's daughter, but Abby doesn't know that. I mean, it's not public knowledge that John Abbott was not Ashley's father. So I'm wondering whether Victor tells Abby or not. I mean, Abby is someone who is constantly feeling torn between the Newmans and the Abbots, being a Newman and being an Abbott. I wonder if Abby is about to find out that she's not actually a blood Abbott. I think Ashley is on the precipice of something here. I think her life is about to change in a very dramatic way. I think the information about her paternity is going to become public knowledge. And I think that Ravi is going to be there to help her through that. But I'm not so sure that he's going to continue to be there as a romantic partner. Last week, I asked asked you guys a poll question. Are you thinking that and viewing Ashley and Ravi as a super couple or are they coming off more as super awkward (laughs) to you? Um, 88% of you said you felt Ashley and Ravi are super awkward. (laughs) I mean, there are so many reasons for this. And I think that's how I voted. I think that um, I think that it was a relationship that might have had some pot- potential if it had struck when the iron was hot. But I just think so much time had gone through on this, and I think maybe the winds of change at YNR blew that relationship into a different direction. I just wonder if YNR is building Ashley up for a potential relationship with Graham. Graham, something's there. 
there with Graham. He is either going to be someone who she views as a, a romantic partner or who knows. I mean, this introduction of Brent Davis could reveal that Graham is a brother. He he could he could if if Dina had one child with Brent, who's to say she didn't go on to have another child with Brent some at some other point in time. So, I just think that there's more to that story there, especially when it comes uh, to Ashley. Since Neil was able to extend that bridge loan to Victoria and help Brash and Sassy be saved for now, Billy was all too happy to run up to Jack's office to tell him that his plan to take Brash and Sassy down did not work. And I think that Billy is in the middle of realizing that his brother will stop at nothing to punish him. <laughs> there, There's no avenue that Jack will not take in order to get back at Billy. And Billy had a very frank conversation with Phyllis this week saying, I'm tired of paying for our affair. I've been paying for it. It's time that I need to be done. And I think that Billy is ready to fire back at Jack. Um, the problem is that it puts Phyllis in the middle. She's in a relationship with Billy, but she works at Jabot. So she is in a position of having divided loyalties. I honestly think that Phyllis would would swing her loyalties toward Billy any day of the week, but I, she also needs her job. She also wants to be able to have that and perform well and be able to say that she's a little bit neutral. Uh, but ultimately, I think that Phyllis would stand by Billy unless he starts to show some of the shady uh, personality traits and starts to do some of the underhanded things that she's seen Jack do too. Did you see Billy's eyes when Phyllis mentioned that Dina's working at Jabot and that she's been working with Ravi on her laptop issues? I mean, the second that the word Dina's laptop or the phrase Dina's laptop flew through Phyllis's lips, you could see the little twinkle in Billy's eye realizing that he's got to get his hands on that laptop. If he can get his hands on that laptop, Laptop, he can get into Jabot's system, their computer system, and get any information about the company that he wants. And I just, you could just see the turn in Billy's personality. It really happened this week. He's ready to go to war with Jack. He's not willing to sit back and take his licks anymore. So, he goes to Dina, offers her a ride to work, and she says, sure, you know, come on up, go up to my hotel room. I want to just grab some things. He has a moment alone with her laptop. He takes a photo of her password and then later tries to get into the Jabot system. He's not able to do it yet, but you know he's going to. My question is, how far is Billy willing to go to get back at Jack? Would Billy be willing to do something underhanded, do something to manipulate Phyllis in order to get back at Jack?
Juliet went to her doctor. She's been going to her routine prenatal appointments. And when you're pregnant, they (laughs) kind of try to talk you into doing this whole genetic marker screenings for um, various diseases. And uh, she, she, she did it and found out that she has the genetic or the baby has the potential, I guess, to have uh, cystic fibrosis. I, I totally declined all of that stuff. It's like, what's the point? I mean, she revealed that essentially if Kane also has this genetic marker for cystic fibrosis, then the baby has a 25% chance of having cystic fibrosis. It's like, why would you even want to know that information just to just to mess with you? You know, it's like you got enough other stress going on and now you got to deal with a 25% chance of a disease like no thanks <laughs> yeah that's right uh so the interesting thing about that scene though is that it it forced Julia and Kane to have to go to the hospital to get a blood test to see if Kane has that same genetic marker well I can't help but think that blood test is going to come into play somehow when it comes to paternity. That's just the long-term soap opera viewer in me. But at the very least, it definitely did serve as a bonding moment for Juliet and Kane. I think that Kane's fatherly instinct kicked in a little bit in that moment, thinking that something could be wrong with his child. And meanwhile, <laughs> Lily's instincts were getting jump-started <laughs> in an entirely different way. Um, at the very end of last week's shows, Lily and Jordan had their lip lock. Well, Lily pulls away from the kiss where we pick up on the story this week and she tells Jordan you know I'm not going to pretend that I didn't enjoy that (laughs) but I am still married and I'm still committed to my marriage and to figuring out if it's something that can be worked out I don't know how she's going to work it out living apart from Kane and not really communicating all that much with him it seems like a beginning of the end for for Lillian Kane if she doesn't actually try to work things out. Uh, But, you know, Jordan got turned down a little bit in that moment. uh, And he goes, though, to um, Hillary's hotel room at her request, where Hillary is trying to um, seduce Jordan. (laughs) She makes a very compelling argument for for a sex session. And Jordan turns her down. I think that he picked up on enough of Lily's hesitation to give him enough hope that there might be a future with Lily and he doesn't want to continue to go down this road with Hillary for that reason and just for the reason that it ain't working between them. I was happy to to finally let Jordan and Hillary call it quits. Um, Hillary seemed, though legitimately sad about it like I don't know if it was that she cared about Jordan I think she does care about Jordan but I think that she also doesn't like to be told no that might have been the bigger part of it but she had this great line where she says you know what fine I just I'm I'm a tough bitch who has no feelings I'll just take this I'll just let you break up with me and I'll just act like it doesn't bother me at all you know I thought I think that that was telling maybe it is just a mix 
mix of both. You know, she's tired of being seen as someone who doesn't have any feelings and who is disposable or like she's a she's just a bitch bot. You know, I think that's probably how she thinks other people see her, you know, sees her. Um, but it, it probably did hurt her feelings a little bit. I think that she also doesn't like that Jordan was more interested in Lily than with her. I think Lily, I think that Hillary wants her one true love. It was Devon. And I think that if she can't have Devon, she was wishing that maybe it would be some, it would be Jordan or someone else. Um, but maybe what she needs to do is to start focusing on Devon again. I mean, I liked the way um, Jordan handled it. He, he did say to her, come on, you know, you know, it's not working, girl. Like, don't be mad about it. Just, it's not right. <laughs> you and me is not right. And you know it for any number of reasons. Don't worry. You won't be lonely for long. <laughs> I did like the way that he handled it, and it, but it, 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 she was scorned enough that made me think Hillary is going to blow up Jordan's spot when it comes to those nudie photos. They did mention that again this week. I think maybe she's going to do a little expose and, um, I don't know, show the world maybe a little bit of his dark side and uh, that would get back at him and it might show Lily who Jordan really is. Um, I did also think that Hillary had a nice moment with Devon, um, after all this happened, after she's been broken up with, she just had this mature, casual, supportive conversation with Devon where it's just, it feel I feel their chemistry every time they are in a scene together. Um, and I like seeing them just being casual. I like that she feels she can be um, herself with Devon, whatever that is, if it's good or if it's bad. It's just one of those things that I think um, her, it's a character development issue for the writers. I think the Weiners writers have just given us hip, hip whiplash, hip lash <laughs> when it comes to Hillary. Um, she can have these really vindictive moments and then she can have these really uh, sweet and sincere moments too. Um, Hillary in a little bit of a manipulative moment, uh, does go to Kane and tells him that something's going on with Lily and Jordan. And he doesn't listen to her. He knows that it's not necessarily true. And it, it, it is and it isn't true. You know, I mean, I think that Hillary knows and has picked up on the fact that, uh, that Jordan wants Lily. And I think she's kind of assuming that Lily's going to go for it. She doesn't know that Lily, that they kiss. She can't possibly. But I think she, that she'd give gives Kane enough of a seed of doubt that when reinforced by Neil a little bit, a scene later, you know, Neil saying, hey, you might need to prepare yourself for the, you know, for, for whichever way this is going to go. I think that did cause a Kane to have a moment of, wait a minute, is this not going to work out? I mean, Lily has told him that she is, you know, st- Still, she's not ruling out any possibilities of getting back together, but I think that Kane maybe is starting to realize that there's a strong chance he's not going to get his family back. Um, with the um, the loan also that Neil extended to Victoria and Brash and Sassy, uh, Brash and Sassy was able to rehire Lily and Jordan. So a little bit of the financial issue has been alleviated from the family, but it also creates a position where the now that the D.A.R.E. campaign is back on, Lily and Jordan are going to be working together again. They're going to be traveling. We need to go full speed ahead to 
to try to save this company and to promote this campaign. So Lily and Jordan are going to be tight. They're going to be spending time together. (laughs) And Jordan is just fitting in so seamlessly with the family, isn't he? He's just slid right in. Everybody loves him. I mean, he came over to the house this week and he uh, was getting along swimmingly with Charlie, talking about photography and all, you know, football and guy stuff. And (laughs) there was a funny little moment where Maddie was even a little bit mesmerized by him. I think she was checking him out. I think she was thinking, dang, this guy's kind of amazing. (laughs) Not that any of the children or anybody else is thinking that this could be a replacement for Kane or something. But, I mean, let's face it. The guy's in their kitchen cooking dinner, taking Kane's seat at the dinner table. Even though it's not, that's not what they're thinking. It is a little bit of a, a subtle signal that Kane's getting butted out of this family. It was actually really sad that Jordan's getting along so well with Kane's wife and Kane's kids and sitting in Kane's chair and being almost this head man of the family. And Kane walks in and he sees it. He sees another man in his spot with his family. I can't imagine. I just cannot imagine how much that had to hurt Kane because for as many bad things as he's done, I don't think Kane is a bad guy. I don't I think he he almost tried to wear the mask of being a bad guy and doing bad things, but it don't it doesn't fit him and I d I don't think it's who he really is. And, and and so I think seeing Jordan in that spot just had to absolutely devastate him on top of what Hillary said, on top of what Neil said. Uh, He's, he's got to be hurting right now. He feels like no one understands him. Except for Juliet. Except for Juliet. She's the one person who's telling Kane that she understands him. And I'm worried that everything that Kane's seeing and that's going on right now is going to push him into the arms of the one person who's saying, I accept you and I understand you. And oh yeah, I'm carrying your child. I'm sure that you guys can hear my child crying in the background. Please don't think I'm a bad mom. She lost. She was crying because she lost her ball. Okay. <laughs> Let's put this in perspective. I don't want anybody to think I'm like ignoring my child so that I can talk about YNR. She cried because she lost her ball. <laughs> oh, well, the last story I want to touch on here is... The sex ring. Is anybody else, um, on the episodes I watched, uh, there was a, a viewer discretion advised thing right at the top of the episode. Is everybody seeing that or was it just the, the version that I watched? Um, it, it is very, uh, it is a very touchy subject. I mean, for crying out loud, I mean, we're seeing Sharon getting herself like neck deep into a criminal operation. And it's a a very salacious, very um, just just horrible, I mean, prostitution and, and specifically forced prostitution is such a horrible thing. And I am worried about Sharon getting herself 
into any kind of trouble or harm's way throughout all of this. She she can't let it go. She feels connected to Crystal. She wants to help this girl. She goes to the jail to uh, try to talk to Paul, who's completely absent from any of this. And she um, ends up seeing two prostitutes being brought in for prostituting. You can tell they're prostitutes, by the way, because of their, their dress. <laughs> It was like, you know, short skirts and uh, revealing tops and all of the above made of like pleather material, or not pleather, but I don't know, it's like plastic and material. You could tell that they were prostitutes. Sharon sees them. And she uh, decides to do a little more investigating. She happens to notice that the guy who comes to pick up the prostitutes and bail them out of jail is the same pimp that she saw in Crystal's hotel room. So she um, is able to snap a photo of this guy. She tries to get license plate photos and do a little more investigative work. I suppose she learned that from Dylan, uh, but she's not successful exactly. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure what her next move is going to be. But speaking of Dylan, I just do keep thinking, why is Sharon involved in this? Why is Sharon the one that's uh, busting, you know, that's involved in getting ready to bust up this ring? I mean, is there any chance that any of this is going to lead back to something having to do with Dylan? Or is there any chance that any of this will lead back to do with to, with Sharon and her past like could her father or something be involved or you know I mean I don't know there's any number of, of ways to speculate about it I don't know who this mystery woman is is the mystery woman going to be connected to Sharon is this mystery woman going to be connected to Tessa I just as the as the weeks go on and I watch Tessa's behavior I have just I I I question her more and more. Tessa is reiterating to Mariah this week that she does not want the secret that Crystal is her sister to be out. She doesn't want anybody to know that. Um, she And she even specifically said, I'm worried that it could cause other things about my past to come up. So what is that? What does that even mean? I just, I, un, I can identify and understand with Tessa feeling like she like she feels guilty for securing your here's your ball that she feels guilty for securing like this amazing life for herself and wasn't able to help her sister I can I can identify with that but the thing I can't identify with the with is the fact that she doesn't ask for help when it comes to any of this she got this text from Crystal this week and it was um, saying meet me in the hotel room uh, Tessa gets there thinking she's going to help her sister and it's the pimp who tricked her and threatened her basically said look stop looking for Crystal she's fine don't keep asking questions or else so I mean I just I don't know what to make of Tessa's reaction here I understand her being worried about her sister I understand um, that she feels guilty about it, but I'm really struggling to understand what 
is it that's making her not just go to the police about this or to Sharon or giving any information that she can to try to help her sister? If she was really concerned about her sister, then whatever it is in her past shouldn't matter. She should do everything she can to just help this young girl who's stuck in forced prostitution. What do you have to lose that's more important than what you have to gain? Well, last week's Who Said It quote was a little bit of a trick question. The quote was, lumbar support pillow. (laughs) Kind of a weird little phrase. Uh, Quite a few of you guessed in the ballpark that a lumbar support pillow was on the list of supplies which Ms. Dina Mergeron requires for her office, which she handed to Gloria. Um, But the trick part of the question was that it was actually Gloria who was reading Dina's supply list out loud. So Dina needed the pillow, but Gloria was uh, the one who was reading it. I don't know if uh, Dina ended up getting her a support pillow along with her almond milk and her scented candles, (laughs) but I'm going to hope so. Congratulations to everybody who got that right. It was a little bit of a tricky one, and quite a a few of you guys got it. It was Jamie and Sandra, Henry and Diana, Julie, Melissa, Nancy, Leah, Anne, Ambreen, and Rose. Congratulations, you guys. You got it right. I think I want to say, and I could be wrong, but I think Leanne, I might have excluded you from the uh, from the list of winners from last week on the uh, podcast version because I was so thrown off that the power went out. I didn't get my complete list. Uh, so I'm sorry about that if I, if I missed you last week, but that would it would make three weeks in a row if you can get this one right. Um, I liked this quote. I don't know. Maybe I was just hungry when I heard it. <laughs> but this week's quote is, I only have one weakness, dark and dreamy desserts. Do you know who said that? If so, you can go to yrchat.com to leave your guess. And if you get it right, I will give you your shout out on next week's YNR Chat. Okay, everybody, I think that takes me to the end. I hope that this was a successful <laughs> YNR chat. I didn't have a chance to uh, really dig into your comments very deeply because I am just literally getting back and uh, unpacking and all of the, um, you know, the unfun stuff that goes along with getting back to reality. I'm doing uh, YNR chat at a little bit of a different uh, format, a little bit of a different time than I normally would. So um, I also apologize for the baby crying. (laughs) I just thought it would be better to do the chat than to not do the chat. And uh, so I'm kind of trying to multitask a little bit here. But I hope that I at least gave you the highlights of the week uh, and didn't um, mess anything up too terribly badly. But you can always go to the website and uh, correct me or leave additional comments or fill in any gaps that I happen to miss. Uh, It's yrchat.com for the website. 
Um, from there, you can also find uh, all of the social networking links. Uh, and also the voicemail is 309-588-4569. I'm going to be reading comments and listening to voicemails, uh, catching up on all of that uh, throughout this coming week. And of course, uh, listening and, and collating your comments for, for next week's full return of YNR Chat. So <laughs> that's something to look forward to. A nice, quiet, tight fun full video YNR chat (laughs) okay everybody I hope you guys have a great week and I will see you next Sunday bye